guy named uh, Daniel Kahneman just wrote a book earlier this or came out earlier this year called Thinking Fast and Slow. Now, Daniel Kahneman is a smart guy. He is a really smart guy. He's a Nobel Prize winning economist. He works at Princeton University. And he writes this book about the way we think. And one of the things he does to kind of set up his premise is he invites his readers to solve a basic problem and he asks them to do it. It's a math problem. And he asks them to do it intuitively. So I'm going to ask you to solve this problem this morning. Don't say anything. Just kind of come up with an intuitive answer. What do you feel about this? A bat and a ball cost a dollar and ten cents. A bat and a ball cost a dollar and ten cents. The bat costs one dollar more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? Now, most people come up with the answer that I came up with when I read this the first time, which is the ball costs ten cents, which is an appealing answer, which is an intuitive answer, and is a wrong answer. Because if you stop and you work out the math, well, if the ball costs 10 cents and the dollar costs, or the bat costs a dollar more, then the dollar costs, or the bat costs rather, a dollar 10. So, ball 10 cents, bat a dollar 10, that comes up to a dollar 20, right? So, the answer is that the ball costs 5 cents. Because if the ball costs 5 cents and the bat costs a dollar more, so it's a dollar 5, a dollar 5 plus 5 equals a dollar 10. Now, the point he's making is not about intelligence. The point he is making is about the importance of slowing down, the importance of focusing, the importance of paying attention. And so as John Scott already pointed out this morning, we're going to spend a little extra time around the Lord's table this morning. We're going to slow down around the Lord's table table, and we're going to pay special attention this morning. And I think that's important because we live our days in a hurry, don't we? We live our days scurrying around from appointment to appointment, running kids here and there, days crammed full of activities. And it seems like, I don't know if you can identify with this, but it seems like we are always running late. Always late from the time I wake up till the time I go to bed, I'm always running a little bit late. Now, here's the thing. Track with me on this. Our emotions follow our motions. Our emotions follow our motions. And if our motions are always going, if we're always busy, if we're always hurrying, then our emotions will be threadbare. Our emotions will be frazzled. And I can hear your nonverbal amens this morning. really can. Remember a few years back, I was making a trip that I have made many times before from Missouri to Texas. Texas to Missouri. My parents live in the southwest corner of Missouri. It is a little more than a six-hour drive, unless it is raining heavily. And then it becomes a considerably longer journey. On this particular day, it was raining heavily. I was all alone in the car, 
I was wide awake this time. Whenever it rains, I don't have a problem getting sleepy. I, I grip that wheel very tightly. And I always do as much speed as I feel like I possibly can do safely when I'm on a long trip. I'll be honest with you. And so I'm going about 75 miles an hour on this wet, rainy day. And I get that electrical shock feeling in your stomach. And you know what that feeling is. When you feel that car slide, when you feel your car hydroplane a little bit, thank God I was on a divided highway, had plenty of space, I drifted into the other lane going the same direction, it was open, I didn't have a wreck, praise the Lord. When I stopped for a little bit of coffee later on, I decided to look down at those tires. They were worn to the nub. There wasn't any tread left on those tires. And it kind of struck me that I had been so busy, I had been bouncing around so much, that I just had, hadn't stopped in a long time to check those tires. Hadn't noticed that they were worn slick. So the first thing I did when I got back to Dallas was get some new tires, obviously. Decided I needed to pay a little bit of attention to that in the future. Now, you don't need a Nobel Prize. You don't need to be that intelligent to figure out that if you're always rushing from place to place, then you're going to miss some things. You're not going to notice some things that are rather important. And so as we gather around the Lord's tables, we slow down this morning. The truth is, some of y'all are running on bald tires. Truth is, life has worn some of you slick. You don't have emotional tread this morning. <laughs> you don't have physical tread this morning. You don't have much spiritual tread this morning because you are worn out. Now, there's a word that the Lord speaks through His prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel, and they seem to be, at least at first glance, very different people with very different problems for, from us because in Jeremiah chapter 2, they're worshiping all of these idols, very idolatrous people. In fact, they're worshiping so many different foreign gods that they can't even keep them straight. Right? But then you think a little more, you slow down a little bit, and you think, you know, maybe we have some idols. Maybe there are some places that we put our affections, that we value so highly that, that we look to those things instead of God. It could be wealth, it could be success, it could be a very important relationship that you have, it could be beauty, it could be your work. And so let's slow down. Listen to these words in Jeremiah 2, verse 25 from the message and see if these words don't resonate a little bit with you like they did with me this week. Slow down. Take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after? anyway. That hit home a little bit. 
mean, those are good questions to slow down and think about. What am I doing all of this running for anyway? Why am I wearing myself out? Why am I in such a hurry? I believe that God is inviting all of us right now this morning to slow down, to take a deep breath, and to ask some of these important questions that we kind of skipped over in our busyness. If you're going to help us serve communion this morning, you can get a position in here in just a couple of minutes. We'll serve the bread. Um, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote these Christians in the city of Corinth, said something similar to them around the Lord's Supper. He told the Corinthians that the Lord's Supper is a good time to pause. It's a good time to think. He says in chapter 11, verse 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Self-examination. Taking a deep breath. The bread represents the broken body of Christ. Broken for you, broken for me, broken on the cross because we're sinners. All of us are sinners. We are not capable of repairing ourselves. We're not capable of, of pulling ourselves together all on our own, of making ourselves whole on our own. And so the body of Jesus is broken so we don't have to be broken, so we can be whole. We needed his love, we needed his sacrifice so that we could be complete in Christ. And as I slow down this morning, I think of things like, I think of things like, is busyness keeping me from, from, from focusing on the Lord? I think about a question like, is there a habitual sin, a sin addiction in my life that has festered and that has become a barrier between me and this wholeness that I have in Jesus Christ. I think about a question of, is there a relationship that I have going on in my life that is not helpful? A relationship with another person that separates me from God? That's an idolatrous relationship. It can be with a person or a thing. And so as we break the bread that represents the body of Jesus, just take a moment, like the prophet invites the people of God, take a moment to breathe this morning. <laughs> take a moment to slow down. Take a moment to examine yourself. Take an inventory of what's going on in your life right now. And let's, let's bow our heads together. And in this moment of slowing down, of putting on the brakes, Think about what it is in your life right now that is wearing you out. Think about what it is that has taken the tread off your emotional, spiritual, and physical tires. I just want you to take about 30 seconds, just you and God. Just breathe. Talk to God about your busyness or about that sin struggle about that lack of focus maybe, just confess those things 
right now. Lord Jesus, as we take this bread and we break it, we remember your broken body. And we examine ourselves and we reflect on how fractured and broken we are without you. Lord, we often fill our lives with spiritual junk food with pursuits and pastimes that, that fill us up for a moment, but that really are no match for the emptiness we experience without You. We need nourishment that comes from You. Lord Jesus, we fill ourselves this morning with the truth of Your declaration when You said, Jesus, I am the bread of life. He who comes to Me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. This is our prayer in your name. Amen. Hey guys, my wife uh, is a bit of a foodie. Okay, she likes um, to watch all those shows on cable TV. I mean, there's all the. In fact, that's probably ninety percent of what she DVRs these days. Or either one of the Top Chefs or uh, Chopped or one of these shows. Um, she loves to just keep up on what's going on in the culinary arts, and sometimes I get to benefit from that in our home as well. But I say that to explain why it is that a couple of weeks ago I took her to one of the very nicest eating establishments in Dallas, Texas. And that's saying a lot because one of the blessings of living in this fair city is that there are a number of excellent, excellent restaurants and and world-renowned chefs. And Isla was celebrating her birthday, and so we did what we, a tradition that we started last year. She said, don't get me a present, traditional present, take me to, and she gets to pick one of her own. She picked out a really nice one last year, she picked out another really nice one this year. And so the blessing of living in Dallas is you have all these wonderful options, um, the curse is they aren't free. Um, they're most certainly not free, and that's a little bit frustrating, but once a year, we splurge, and we go to one of the two or three or four just nicest places in the city, and if you go to a place like this, you need to make a reservation. If you go to a place like this, you need to spend, you need to plan on spending the evening. This is not a rush in, rush out. This is not, you're on a car trip with your kids, and we got to get First of all, A, find a place that our kids will accept, which is difficult if you have more than one child. Amen? B, it needs to be a place we can get at and get out of really quick and get back on the road. This is not that sort of place. This is a place that is the event. It is not grab a bite before the event. It is the event. And so at this particular place we went to, 
We carved out the evening, made sure I had some breathing room on the credit limit on my credit card. We headed down there, got there about seven. We left after nine, and we ordered the tasting menu. A tasting menu is where a restaurant provides a little bit of their very best plate. It was an eight-course tasting menu, and it was incredible. Sushi, monkfish, salmon, rack of lamb, foie gras, cheeses, magnificent chocolate dessert. And even if those sound a little weird to you, I bet you would have tasted those things and thought, my, my, that's good. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Nothing beats a great cheeseburger. I like a great cheeseburger, too. But every once in a while in our home, it's once a year. It's kind of fun to eat like a king. Well, David knew something about eating like a king. Because he was a king. He wrote in Psalm 34, verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Now, before we get to the spiritual meaning of that, if you've been to a really nice place, you get that. Taste and see. It's the presentation. It's the beauty. It's the way everything is arranged. And it's the taste. Half of the fun is looking at it. I was taking pictures with my cell phone of these plates of food. I don't do that at Chili's. Certainly don't do that at Burger King. And then when that server comes to your table and gives you that intricate explanation of what everything is and how it was prepared, you listen intently before you pick up your fork and begin. You taste, you see, you savor, you relish because some meals are not meant to be wolfed down. Some are meant to be relished. And so David, who knew something about fine dining, talked about the spiritual banquet we enjoy in the Lord, and he said, just step up to the table. Look at what God is and what He offers. Try it out. Taste it. Chew slowly. And blessed is he who takes refuge in the goodness of God. And so before we drink of the fruit of the vine this morning, the call once again is to slow down, to relish, and this time we're not slowing down so that we can ponder our own sinfulness, think about our own brokenness, which is something we need to do. And we did that before the bread this morning, but the call right now is rather to savor God's goodness. 
And I think a lot of Christians have become very good about savoring and relishing and thinking about their badness. When Scripture invites us to relish His goodness. And so we just don't walk up and gulp down what Jesus did for us on the cross. We don't just consume it. We want to savor it, and we want to be consumed by it. And so I want you just to think and ponder these thoughts from Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to pray these thoughts in just a moment. Starting in verse 3 through verse 10, we'll, we'll just read these. Think about this amazing meal this banquet that God has given us in Jesus Christ. Praise be to God, our Father, the Lord. Praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth, all things in heaven and on earth together under one head even Christ. If you're going to help serve the fruit of the vine this morning, you can get back into position. What a feast Paul described. I mean, this is incredible. What a banquet in Christ to savor and relish, to delight in. And, and you probably noticed my favorite word in that whole passage is that word lavish, that God lavished on you, that God lavished on us these blessings. Lavishing is not something reasonable. It is not something meted out. It is not something measured. It is not something stingy. Lavishing is a little over the top. A little bit unreasonable. And in Jesus, God has lavished blessings on us. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads. We're going to pray through some of these truths before we take of the fruit of the vine this morning and savor these blessings. Father in heaven, we rejoice at the spiritual feast you have given us. We enjoy every blessing in Christ. You have made us holy and blameless. And that blows our mind, Lord. Us, holy and blameless. <laughs> this morning, we know that we aren't defined by our failures. 
We are defined by your declaration that we are holy and blameless because of the blood your Son shed. And you have adopted us as your children. We are not strangers to you. We're not passers-by. We're members of your family. Because of Jesus this morning, we call you Father. Thank you. We love you, Father. And we relish your forgiveness. We relish the forgiveness of sins that we've experienced through the shed blood of Jesus. We understand that we are hopeless. We know that we are lost without Jesus. And that certainty makes the aroma and the appearance and the taste of our redemption even sweeter. And we enjoy wisdom and understanding. You have cared for us so much as your children that you have given us true commands, true principles in your word to light the way forward. Thank you for opening our eyes to the truth that is Jesus Christ. And thank you for the wise counselor we have that is the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And finally, Lord, it gives us great peace and confidence. This knowledge that despite the chaos and the pain and the busyness and the craziness of this world, that you are bringing all things together. Everything. Everything on this earth. Everything in heaven. You are bringing all things together under the unity of the Lordship of Jesus. And so this morning we delight in knowing that evil and hate won't win, but rather there is final victory in, through, and because of Jesus. So help us to slow down, to taste and see, to relish and savor your goodness this morning in Jesus. Amen. So yeah, if there's a theme this morning, slow down. Slow down when you think about yourself. Slow down when you think about what you struggle with. Um, slow down when you get in the middle of your schedule. Um, slow down when you think about what God has done for you. Focus, pay attention to that. Let that define you instead of the craziness of your world. And so we've paused to consider the wear on our tires, <laughs> our brokenness. We've stopped to, to bask in the blessings we've received from Jesus Christ. I want to share with you a final thought that, that's really uh, kind of illustrated well by, by a first century rabbi, not Jesus, but another rabbi named Rabbi Akiva. One time this fellow Rabbi Akiva was shepherding his flocks up on a hillside and he saw a little, a little tiny stream 
that ran down the hillside, that ran off a ledge at the bottom of the hillside on its way to the river far down below. And off of that ledge, it ran off drip, drip, drip onto this, this huge boulder. And what struck Rabbi Akiva was that this, this dripping of water had shaped this boulder. You could look at the boulder and you could see where centuries of the water dripping on it had carved its way through the solid rock. And Akiva reflected on that and he thought, if water can do this, water to hard rock, how much more can God's word carve a way into my heart of flesh? Akiva realized that if the water had all hit the rock at once, in one gigantic splash, the rock wouldn't have been changed at all. It was the slow, steady impact of each droplet, year after year, that shaped that stone. And sometimes Christians... We look for one big splash, something that is going to change us. Best-selling Christian book, powerful conference, maybe a worship experience. This is going to be the moment where it all changes for me. And I like what Lois Verberg writes about this kind of thinking, her personal reflection. She writes, if I could learn all the right answers in one marathon event, all the better. I find now that God likes to reveal truth over many years as I study alongside others. I realize now that big splashes aren't usually God's way of doing things. Instead, through the slow drip, Study and prayer, day after day, year after year, he shapes us into what he wants us to be. And so I hope that our time this morning around the Lord's table has been a chance to encounter the living Christ. Uh, more than that, I hope a taste of God's goodness this morning um, hasn't been something that that you have simply relished and enjoyed and that has filled you up. But I pray that this taste of God's goodness has just whetted your appetite for more. May we leave this place hungry. Hungry for daily experiences of Christ through prayer through study of his word, alone or, or communal, through acts of love, toward those we come in contact with. Because it is the constant slow drip of his presence, of his guidance, of his shaping in my world that will change me.